What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine. And as always, here in 2020, support for the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. With the holiday season coming and the most uncertain year of all time, there's one thing that will always remain uncertain during the holiday season. It's what am I going to get? the men in my life for Christmas, for Hanukkah, for whatever they're celebrating. And now more than ever is the time to get the men in your life to take care of everything they need to take care of downstairs. Manscaped and the Lawnmower 3.0 is going to offer the safest and smoothest trimming ever to be known. The skin safe technology that comes with the Lawnmower 3.0 is going to make sure that there's no cuts because grooming accidents are a thing in the past. And let me tell you, I've had the lawnmower 3.0 for quite some time now, thanks to the team over at Manscaped. It's the best. Like, I, I, there's just, we have to stop buying those crappy razors and trimmers at the drugstores and whatnot. And please, please stop using the same trimmers on your face as your body. That's just gross. Let's be honest. So, we're going to hook you up this holiday season. The team over at Manscaped is hooking up listeners with an awesome promo code. Go over to manscaped.com and you're going to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LazyEye at manscaped.com. That's right. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code LazyEye at checkout. Let's make Santa proud this year and let's clean up our act downstairs. Now, for the odd news of the week, I, I came across this article on, on uh, the site that I used for these odd news of the week and it made me think about what was I doing when I was 10 years old? Because this guy, uh, this, this, I would say this young, young man, uh, 10 years old, becomes the youngest to kayak the Grand Canyon. That's right. Bodie uh, Hillicky, um, who's 10 years old from Colorado, became the youngest to ever trek the 280-mile trip through the Grand Canyon via the Colorado River. His direct quote after doing that feat was, it was fun. I loved the big waves. Now, it just made me think of like what I was doing when I was 10 years old. And uh, and uh, Bodhi here is in fifth grade. So I'm thinking about what I was doing in fifth grade. And I was getting absolutely destroyed on the handball court. Uh, fifth grade was uh, a great time. State project. I, I did Virginia. I don't know why. I have no family in Virginia. I, got, I picked it willingly. And I have no ties to Virginia. Fifth grade was a great time right before middle school. And we all know how great middle school was. So congrats to Bodhi. Absolutely incredible, incredible feat. And uh, good for him. That's fun. Anyways, let's get to this week's show. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Uh, so today's episode, we have on my best friend, Grant Schultz. And Grant is a NCAA All-American and team captain from Stanford University on the men's swim team. Uh, he is a U.S. men's national team member. And uh, just one of the best human beings that I know. Uh, he's one of the nicest guys, and he has one of the most incredible and enduring stories of of real turbulation. Um, a lot of injuries have plagued his career, and he's continuing to strive and continuing to push forward to the goals that he has. And as from you can see from the episode, satisfied, still hungry. Uh, you know, we talk about the goal always has to be what's next. Uh, you know, it's good to be satisfied and, and celebrate small wins, but you have to always look at the bigger picture. And Grant has done an incredible job of that. 
throughout his career. We talk all about his story, what his training has been like um, during this pandemic. You know, we did this some we did this interview during the summer, and the thought was that this quarantine would be a couple months. I think everyone thought that, especially by the summer. Uh, now we here we are in the second wave, and we're still unsure. We don't know. Will Tokyo will, will Tokyo happen in 2021? I sure hope so. I know he sure hopes so. I know a lot of people hope so. Um, but we'll see. Uh, but so an incredible story, an incredible interview with one of my best friends from from childhood and still to this day. So please enjoy Grant Schultz. So on today's show, I finally have my first swimmer. It's about time uh, that I bring on one of my own, I guess I would say. Um, obviously, my background from being in, in college swimming and growing up and swimming competitively in Southern California, I actually swam with this individual against this individual plenty of times and all of the times of which he kicked my butt. All right, guys. Well, I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time. We have one of my best friends from high school, Grant Schultz. He is a U.S. men's national team member. He was the 2016 World High School Swimmer of the Year, and he's an NCAA All-American. Grant, thank you so much for coming on. How are you, buddy? Good, man. Thanks for having me. I, it's been a while since we've last talked, so uh, I've been looking forward to this as well. Yeah, it's been a while. You are right now. You're in Stanford. Uh, you're training a little bit, or what's what's the? You and I were talking a little bit off camera about what's going on right now, but t- give us a little bit what's going on. Yeah, so I'm up at Stanford right now. I actually drove up to campus about two weeks ago and was uh, coming up here just for the sole purpose of getting an MRI Mm -hmm. and then uh, found out that I had a torn labrum. So um, it looked like I was going to have to have the same surgery that I had prior, which was like a six month uh, recovery Mm -hmm. and had the surgery last week. And it looks like it's a lot minor uh, of like a recovery process. That's and good. I'll I'll be back in the pool in probably a week, and then oh, I'll good. be back move my arms swim in in about a month. So things are going really really fast, uh, and thought it was gonna be a lot worse than it was. But yeah, that's why I'm up at Stanford right now. But I was just uh, at my home in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you, tra- were you training back down there? Yeah, I was training with Mission Viejo Nadadores mm-hmm. uh, during quarantine. We got shut down for a little bit, but then things opened back up. Yeah, but I was training up. I was training there until um, I was having a little bit of shoulder trouble. Yeah, mm-hmm. tell tell us a little bit about how quarantine training's been. You know, uh, you you've seen a couple of things like I, I, we're recording this right now on August third, uh, and we just saw Katie Ledecky go viral via bar stool for for. Um, <laughs> swimming with a glass of chocolate milk on her head, but you know, like things have opened up. Mike Landrieu has his own pool in his backyard. What, like how has quarantine training been for you? Yeah, it's definitely been interesting. So when NCAA shut down, um, I made the drive down to orange County and began training with mission Viejo with them. We were doing normal practice schedules, but there was only one swimmer per lane and like a bunch of other regulations. And then about two weeks in, um, everything got shut down completely. And so what I ended up doing is for about, for 35 days, I was in my backyard on a bungee cord swimming. Oh. And I I managed to swim 30 out of the 35 days. And I also bought a bunch of lifting equipment and I was lifting five days a week. And so um, I came out of quarantine about 12 pounds lighter um, <laughs> and <laughs> a lot more cut than I was yeah prior but then um mission viejo opened up um i want to say 
at some point in late April, maybe early May, mm-hmm. and began slowly getting back into training with them. But during like the craziness of quarantine, most California beaches were were open, so I was doing a lot of surfing. And yeah. it's funny you mentioned Michael Andrew. I went surfing with him a little bit because <laughs> um, that's I mean that's how he's been keeping in shape. Uh, yeah. He's been using the ocean, so yeah. Um, I was getting out there about three four days a week. Um, nice. Got a little bit better at surfing, but I'm still not fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Who's better, you or Michael? Uh, I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. All but right, uh, he's, a lot, he's a lot closer to the beach than I am. Yeah. Um, I have been doing a bit longer, though. You do know he doesn't listen to this podcast, right? So you are safe. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can message him and we'll, we'll see if he uh, turns an ear to it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I have to tell the, the listeners here kind of how we met. It's kind of, a, kind of a, a wild story, and I don't know if you remember it. Um, but take, you, take us back to when we were about 12, 13 years old. And yeah. so you, if Southern California swimming, you were on the Natadors and it was at some meet in Tustin. Okay. And my dad was timing some crate, like some meet, it was a joke of a meet, but basically uh-huh. it was prelims finals and you were slated to be in his lane for the 200 fly or something like that. And okay. it's a finals meet. So my dad takes it very seriously. So he's, he's standing <laughs> up. He's like, where's this Grant Schultz kid? Where is like, he's like, you know, and my dad, you know, him very well has of like a voice that carries. So he's shouting for you and you come running down. I guess your mom was stuck in traffic. You come running down in your warmups in your suit, ready to go and throw your cap on, throw your goggles on basically dive right in and you win the 200 fly. And my dad's like, who is this kid? So long story short, he tells me that story and I'm like, Oh, I got to meet him. And then, you're like an you're like a, a household name in my house at this point, and like my dad would tell this story to the day he dies. But then, oh, like I would say, like three months later, I'm at a swim meet at Natadors, and I see our heat and lane, and it's the 200 back, and I go, Dad, you won't believe who I'm next to, that Grant Schultz kid. Immediately, you tap me on the shoulder, you go, Hi, I'm Grant Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> but it was from then you know you were so you were a year younger than me and then from there uh you know the history writes itself but you went on to santa margarita and did all the amazing things and i convinced you to swim at santa margarita i, I will take that uh, <laughs> that's funny i don't i don't exactly remember that's um uh, that scenario of uh walking up late but that sounds like me growing up trying to kind of just coming out of nowhere not really knowing what what was going on but yeah I can uh, definitely picture that. And I assume that is a, a true story. <laughs> oh, my dad will, so, will tell you it's very true. <laughs> he still no, tells I'm sure. No, I, I'm sure it's true. I just <laughs> like, sorry, a lot of wind going on in the background, but um, you're good. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I was intentionally cold turkeying. I probably was coming from like a baseball game or something. I'm sure you were. Um, I'm sure you hit like two home runs or awesome. whatever. You were doing uh, another sport. <laughs> nah, I was more of a slap hitter. Okay. <laughs> that only happened <laughs> once in my life. <laughs> but that kind of leads me to my next point. So growing up, you were good at multiple sports. Was there a moment uh, like, or maybe even like an age or time in your life where you're like, okay, like I can be a pretty good athlete or this can be something bigger than just age group swimming or little league, you know, little league baseball. Yeah. Um, I think that growing up, I, I did excel in sports. Um, I also like held my own pretty well in the classroom. And so Mm -hmm. I knew that whatever I wanted to put my mind to, I was going to do something like 
the best I can and hopefully, you know, hit whatever, um, like try to hit the pinnacle of that sport. Yeah. And for me personally, when I got into high school, I was still playing baseball and I was still swimming. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's that well known, but I, I made the high school team. And the the plan was for high school was like my first year, I was going to swim club and play baseball uh, during the season since they're the same, uh, same season. And then the following year, I'd flip-flop and I would swim for the high school and I'd just play club ball. Um, and then junior year, I'd probably make my decision. And so I went into high school um, realizing that at some point I'd have to pick a, pick a sport, not knowing that um, I would have an injury my freshman year right when I stepped on campus and that would basically pick the sport for me. So right. I ended up having, I was at a football game, really funny story. Sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. So I was playing <laughs> with my dog, um, maybe one of the first two weeks of um, my freshman year of high school. And I had like a squeaky toy and I was playing keep away. And I pulled my arm back away from the dog as the dog jumped up and tried to grab the ball or whatever it was. Right. And the dog and the dog's head hit my elbow oh. and it hurt really bad. My entire family was laughing at me because they thought I was just making a big deal about it. I thought it was just a bone bruise. But um, about a week later, I was at an SM football game and I was taking off my sweatshirt and I went to pull my sweatshirt off and I, and I my elbow locked um, oh. and I couldn't move my elbow. It was like it was literally stuck in that position and it was like hurting really bad and I was like okay well something's wrong and so my dad had to come and pick me up he took, took me to ER and got an x-ray and there's um, something floating they couldn't determine if it was cartilage or bone but I ended up having surgery and it luckily just ended up being cartilage and not bone mm-hmm. um it almost like if it was bone it probably would have ended all my um like my sports career for swimming and or baseball Right. Um, indefinitely. But I, I've been told that like four or five times now. So I guess it's something different. Yeah. Um, you you kind of <laughs> have beaten those odds for sure. We'll say. Yeah. I've had a lot of injuries, but uh, so I ended up just being cartilage and then the recovery, the physical therapy was like swimming. And mm-hmm. at this point I wasn't very big. I was probably five foot six, 135 pounds soaking wet. So um, <laughs> we didn't really know where the genetics were going to take me <laughs> in terms of the baseball field. Because um, right. I was I was pretty scrappy. I was a shortstop, catcher, pitcher, off-speed pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in swimming, I wasn't – I don't get me wrong. Like, I knew I was, like, I was decent. But I definitely wasn't at that, like, peak level. Like, I, I wasn't winning CIFs. I wasn't, you know, breaking national age group records. I, was, I wasn't doing anything that would, like, raise eyebrows at that you point. You were also a beginning. freshman, though. <laughs> I mean, but, but – Look, I mean, there's a lot like the guys that I was playing baseball with. You yeah. know, I was playing baseball with guys that at the end of eighth grade, they're six foot four, six foot five. They weigh right. 220 pounds and they're hitting <laughs> balls, you know, 350 feet. Like I was hitting balls like 300 feet. So it was like, um, there was just such a big difference in size. And um, in swimming, I had really good technique and I, w- I could hold my own against the bigger guys, but. Again, I wasn't, I mean, if you compare a major league player to a eighth grader and a, and a national team or to an eighth grader, you know, there's going to be some difference. But I, I felt as if, you know, my best chance was probably in swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, 
given the fact that, you know, you can kind of manage around size. And right. so um, I, I dropped a lot of time my freshman year of high school. Um, yeah. And that, <laughs> that kind of that opened my eyes. So, wow, like, you know, I'm super, I'm super grateful. I was a multi-sport athlete growing up. Um, and like when the time came to pick that one sport, you know, I'd, I blossomed. And I think that if I did the same thing for baseball, I would have blossomed as well. Yeah. Right now I stand five foot 11. That's not typically, that's not big for swimming or baseball. So I'm not really sure where the size uh, piece would have come into play for baseball, but it seems as if for swimming, it's been working out all right. I'd so, say so. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm happy with the, with the choice, but I'm always, um, I'm always curious, like what could have been uh, for baseball. For sure. For sure. Yeah, so let's talk about those high school days for a second, just because mainly I do live <laughs> my glory days as well. But I mean, you you had some absolutely incredible years at Santa Margarita, and I was lucky enough to be there um, for three of them. But the one year that I wasn't was really kind of uh, the last year um, and your best year from a personal perspective. When you came in as a freshman, you were talking about a little bit earlier, were the goals like to break those national high school records, breaking Tom Shields age old record? Like what was going through your head as the year started to progress? Um, I mean, as a freshman, honestly, I, I didn't know any of those times. Like mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know what the national, I didn't know what a national high school record was. Um, I honestly didn't know the difference between a national high school record and a national independent high school record until like <laughs> a month after I had it. I was like, I don't right. really understand what this is. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, like personally, it was never about like the accolades. It was always about like, you know, how much can I improve? Mm -hmm. um, when mm -hmm. I, so like when I entered high school, like for instance, in the 500 free, I had like a 447. That's not a slow time. That's, that's, a, that's a good time. especially for, for making me feel freshman. good. Thank you. No, it's, a, it's a, it's a very, it's a good time. I was happy yes. with it, but it was yes. like, like going into that season, it was like, all right, let's, let's see how much time I can knock off. And, right. um, I believe like at Trinity, I went, I got down to like a, I don't know, like a 31 or a 28, something like that. And then mm -hmm. at, at end of CIFs, I hit 26 and I was like, wow, like, this is great. Like, I'm so happy, but it was like, you like, you, you just can't let yourself get satisfied though. Cause the moment you're right. satisfied, like, like, yes, when we look at, you know, the, like what I accomplished my senior year of high school and the national high school records and whatnot, it's like, yeah, I was stoked. I was super happy, but you know, I wasn't satisfied. And so I think that like going into those races at CIFs, um, like, yeah. Okay. By the time I was a senior, it was like, yeah, okay. I want to hit those records. It's right. like, like I want to hit those records, but I don't want to just hit those records. You know, I want to, you know, expand on those records. Right. Um, and, you know, try to set something that might last for, you know, a decent amount of time. And so, um, and like once I accomplished those records, well, it was like, okay, well, great. Now let's try to hit some bigger things, you know, like let's mm -hmm. see what we can do long course. And so it was kind of this, it was kind of always like, okay, I, I hit this one goal, but I, it's not the ultimate goal. You, you know what I mean? Like you kind of have to leave yourself hungry and like allow yourself to celebrate a little, those little accomplishments. And then, but it has to lead to something bigger. Yeah. And, you know, and, and swimming we have um, like, oftentimes you'll set the goal of, I want to make the Olympic team. Well, you don't just make the Olympic team. <laughs> 
like right. as an as an eighth grader it's like well first you need a trials sorry a lot of wind again but you're good um the odds of an eighth grader getting a trials cut as a male it's uh zilch so right. um you can, <laughs> i mean there are there are a few that do it but we're talking you know count those those guys on a hand on a single hand so right. and you've seen those guys on the podium at some point exactly and so <laughs> well <laughs> and so yeah i mean so when we talk back to like you know when i came in as a freshman it was like honestly i didn't even know what those like what a national age group record was and i didn't yeah. know what a high school record was but i did, did you have like the? A, go ahead sorry <laughs> i don't know you got it you got it no, did you like you were saying like what like there was that big goal at the end like what was that big goal that you had? Obviously, you said like breaking the records, but then oh, you're looking at the bigger picture. What was that big goal for you at the end of high school? Well, yeah. So end of high school lined up with trials, and so for me, you know, everyone's gonna say I want to make the Olympic team. Like for me, like being realistic, I knew that you know making an Olympic team was a stretch. And it's a good goal to have, but right. you know, for me, I wanted to make an Olympic trial final because I knew that, you know, by the time 2020 rolls around or what, I guess it's 2021 now, but yeah. <laughs> um, by the time that that trials roll, rolled around, like I wanted to have some base. Um, like I kind of knew what I was walking into and trials, the trials final is, it's a lot to wrap your head around. And for me, I was happy with, you know, going to trials and, you know, finding my way into a final. And obviously I did my best in that final and I am not Olympian, so I did not get top two, but, you know, I gained experience from that. And, you know, hopefully that, like, that was a goal. That was a short-term goal that hopefully allows me to expand on. And, you know, Olympic trials this upcoming year, if we have it, you know, I find myself in, at like at an advantage because I know like what what that experience is like and like goals along the way have allowed me to put myself not I wouldn't say an advantage but like in a better position yeah to like be comfortable in those situations and like like that goal will hopefully allow me to um, reach a further goal definitely so can we, can we talk about recruiting for you for a second? I mean, yeah. uh, like obviously you had like after your senior season, even your junior season, you had what I thought was every college looking out, looking for you and, and trying to get you on their team. Uh, was that process for you? Did it become stressful at times? Was it too much at times? Or was it always like, I, I plan on going to Stanford? What was that like? Yeah, well, so I'm not going to, you know, talk about myself like (laughs) at a higher level academically because I am like I'm not the smartest guy you've ever met I'm not I know I'm not dumb but right I like there's there's guys that that are at Stanford that have a 36 ACT and are getting perfect scores in their SAT as well so you know I'm not that caliber but um I I knew that I might have a possibility of getting into Stanford through swimming um and the, the thing about that is you can't, you can't slack on your grades. Like, it's not like, Oh, I can, no. I can get a super low grade. Like you, you, you still have to get in, but the swimming helps. And right. it, it, it does help if you have like some accomplishments from high school as well. Mm-hmm. And so 
for me, Stanford was my reach school, just like how like a normal student has a reach school, like Stanford was my reach school. And yeah. I didn't know if I like had, um, you know, the accolades in the classroom to get in. And so uh, for me, Stanford was my number one all the way through high school. Um, didn't really know it was a possibility until I got um, messages from um, the head coach and the associating staff. Um, but I, I was, I was very open to going anywhere. Um, like not, it didn't just have to be like a top 10 swim school. Like the first, yeah. the first school that I looked at was Annapolis. Um, oh, wow. I didn't because know I was very, yeah, I was very interested in the, uh, in the Navy, but when I went there, um, I, I learned that most of their graduates graduate with a degree, with a degree in engineering. Well, I want to pursue medicine. And when you look at the course load that they had there, it just didn't really line up with, with what I wanted to study. Right. And so for me, it like, I didn't say no to Navy because of the swimming. I said no to them because of the academics. And so for me, the, the academics played a huge role in deciding um, other universities as well, despite the fact that, you know, Stanford was my number one. Right. And so when I lined up like my top five, um, like the, these schools weren't just good swimming schools. They were good academic schools um, with Sanford on top. And that's, and that's the most important thing, right? Cause in our world, and, and I know you're kind of going through it right now, there is going to be a life after swimming and you have to prepare for that because, you know, the Olympics only comes around every four years and it can be a short lived career. can be, you know, a long career, but those aren't very, um, you don't see that very often. So I, I always applauded you for setting yourself up for success post-swimming. <laughs> yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I mean, realistically, we all can't be, you know, Ladeckis and, uh, and, and Michael Phelps's. Yeah. And, um, you know, most of us have to work after swimming. And so <laughs> the, the interesting piece about being an athlete in today's age is, um, you know, what the way I grew up was that, you know, swimming or sports was always your plan B and, you know, academics is your plan A. And what makes it kind of difficult is the fact that, you know, when you have kids going through college, it's um, oftentimes like their plan B comes before their plan A. And sometimes they don't know when plan B is supposed to end. So you can actually, you know, start, start your career. And that's something that I've been toggling with is the fact that, you know, if, if the season doesn't happen, then, you know, do I go pro? Do I, you know, get into my career? Um, there's a lot of like uncertainties that I'm personally dealing with, but um, luckily with, you know, the, the choice that I made, like I prepared myself to, you know, right out of college, if I don't have a pro career, you know, I'm, I'm happy starting my career. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, realistically, like, at most universities, like you're fine. Like, as, like you graduate, you know, you're yeah. you're on your way. It doesn't matter if you're a Stanford. Doesn't matter if you're a CC. Like, you're you're on your way. But it's just a realization that you know, at at some point in time, your athletic career is going to end. Right. Um. So that's something that I'm, you know, kind of dealing with right now. Definitely. But let's not dwell on that right now. Let's talk about <laughs> some of your um, your accomplishments in the pool. So let's go back to 2018. 
obviously a really crazy year for any, by anyone's standards, but let's start in the summer at U.S. Nationals okay. in that 400 free. Um, easily one of the coolest races that I've ever seen in person, and I was so lucky to actually be there to see you make, make the big boy team, as you call it. Um, <laughs> but like really like watching you on that last wall, I mean, I'll put the link of the YouTube down below because it was just an unbelievable race. Um, but you said it right in your post, post-race interview to finally get on that big boy team spot. What was that like? Was it like a relief? Was it a monkey off your back? What was that? What was that feeling when you touched the wall and you saw that you made the team? Yeah, well, I don't think it was a monkey off my back because I wasn't even expected to make the team. You know, mm. it. Um, there was a lot of guys like in front of me, and I was probably like the number five or six guy. Uh, hadn't dropped in that event in a while, maybe like three years, four years. So, um, definitely not a monkey off my back. Um, I think I was just so like overcome with emotion and just like, it was so unexpected for me. Um, I think that Jeff Kostoff and Ted Knapp and I had a really, really good season of training mm-hmm. and a really, really good summer. And I was doing stuff in practice that I had never done before in terms of times and paces. And we were expecting that meet to be, um, to be something special. And I didn't think I don't know if any of us saw that those times coming, but um, I don't, I don't think that we were surprised. I think that, you know, I put in the work and, you know, like I, I, like I deserve that time, you know, like I, like I worked, I worked my butt off to like for every 10th of that time. So, yeah. um, And I think what's really evident is the fact that, you know, I like I am a distance swimmer, mid distance, or I don't know because now I'm actually training a lot of sprint in college. It's great. It's a lot. It's a lot better. But yeah. uh, I wish I was a sprinter. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a better life. Let me tell you that. But yeah. so I was doing a lot of underwater work, and Kossoff and I had come up with a plan to incorporate underwaters in a 500 short course freestyle, and no one had really done it in a 400 freestyle before. Um, and I, I think that the only guys that would do it up to the 200 was probably Lochte. He had the, his, his famous Lochte underwater on the last turn. I, I saw yeah. that, um, Elaine over at trials in 2016. It was not very fun to swim against, but, um, so I had <laughs> seen that, I I'd seen that work in person, uh, firsthand and, but it had never been incorporated in a, like in a legit meet in a 400 free. Um, and so I, that was my first time really trying it out. And, uh, I didn't get my hand on the wall first, but, um, you know, I I had, I had the gas in the back half of that race and I, it doesn't come naturally. You got to work your butt off for that. So I was pretty stoked about that race. I was stoked about the execution of that race as well. Um, and yeah, I know it was a lot of fun. And it was really cool doing it in front of a home crowd. You know, I had I was gonna say that, that, that definitely had to be the cherry on top. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was cool. There's a lot of age groupers that were there. Um, a lot of like old coaches that were there, fan, like a lot of family that was there. I was it was there. like you were, Jared <laughs> magazine was there. It was a fantastic time. So <laughs> it was it was a really exciting time. I love it. I love it. We're going to take a quick break from this interview to hear from our new sponsors over at IPS Surf and Water Sports. This new partnership I'm so stoked about, IPS Surf 
is an exclusive water sport complex located right on Long Lake in the beautiful lake region of Maine. They offer personalized instruction for a variety of different water sports, including wake surfing, water skiing, and many more. Originally from Westford, Massachusetts, founder and world champion wake surfer Ian Scott found his love and passion for water sports at a very early age. He's dedicated to sharing his years of action sport wisdom with his clients and unlocking that true potential in people that they didn't even realize they had. Guys, entering a new element, especially the water, for many people can be an intimidating journey. So IPS Surf is here to provide a safe and specialized instruction to ensure their customers leave with a smile on their face and that feeling of accomplishment. With professional and qualified instructors, best-in-class towboats, and equipment IPS Surf is more than ready to host you and your crew out on the lake this summer. It's just two and a half hours north of Boston. And to show our appreciation to our listeners, IPS Surf will be offering two very, very sick packages. We're going to have the normal guy package and we're going to have the lazy eye package. So let me tell you about these. All right. So the normal guy package, you're going to get 20% off a two hour individual session. So you can bring yourself and one of your friends with an IPS surf uh, instructor. This is more for the people that are really have an appetite to learn. The normal guy package gives you the best opportunity to focus and improve your skills out on the water. This two hour session will allow you for that ultimate one-on-one time with a professional instructor centralized on your development. Now, the lazy eye package. This is gonna be your squad package. This is gonna give you 20% off a full day. That's six hours out on the lake with your squad. You could bring eight, nine, 10 of your closest friends. It's a perfect way to get the whole crew out there enjoying the magic of what IPS Surf has to offer. The lazy eye session will include everything you need for an exceptional day out on the lake with over seven different water sports to choose from. Guys, seven different water sports. You're gonna be able to mix and match with your favorite activities for the perfect session you have been dreaming about. We have all been dreaming about what next summer is gonna look like. This is an excellent idea for any family or friends outings, birthdays, it's just the perfect day out on the lake. And if you haven't seen any footage of like what IPS Surf has to offer, let me try and paint this picture. So one of the sports that they offer is called wake surfing, which is one of the coolest things that I've ever seen down on the lake. It's an endless wave created by the boat, and it basically allows you to surf this like clean and customizable wave with nothing directly attaching you to the boat. So they offer this like it's just this like you're you're surfing like I'm a SoCal kid. You're out there surfing, but you're out on the lake. They also have your favorites, including like water skiing and wakeboarding. They also offer more of those like technical sports for more of our advanced folks looking to step up their adventure game here, which is like barefoot skiing. You've seen those videos on on Instagram, wake kiting and surface latest phenomenon, hydrofoiling. So don't just take my word for it. Go visit IPS Surf and Water Sports up in Brigton, Maine, just two and a half hours from Boston to see for yourselves what the hype is all about. Go follow them on Instagram at IPS Surf and go over to IPSSurf.com to book those sessions. Now back to the interview. All right, so fast forwarding a little bit after that big summer, right? You get up to Stanford in August or September. You start getting ready for the season and the first few days of practice. Something comes, something happens in your shoulder. What happened? Yeah. So I was doing a commando set. So you, you swim at 25, 50, whatever, mm-hmm. do push ups, sit ups, dips, crunches on the side of the pool. And so I went down to do some dips after like a sprint 25, and I felt a pop in my shoulder, my right shoulder. And 
it hurt quite a bit and I was like okay maybe maybe it was just a fluke thing and so I tried to swim a 25 and it just like my my arm is just dead Mm -hmm. so um you know hop out of practice get checked up um and do a bunch of MRIs and whatnot doesn't come back positive for anything significant and so we just go through with corticosteroid shots and PT for about three months and at the end of three months I have since gotten three cortisone shots and have have been on and off in the water not really doing my best in the pool because I'd I'd swim for a week and then it hurts for a couple days and so I have to take time off and then so I just it was three months of just on and off training just not good and I go to our mid-season meet um in Austin, Texas, and I go like four tw- or four tw- uh, four twenty in the five hundred freestyle, um, which is like a ten second ad for me. Right, and I swim like the four hundred IM and drop time, but it's an old time, so it's, a little, it's whatever. But just like not not happy about where I'm at. Right, and um, after that meet, we finish up finals, and then I go home and. I'm just swimming at the club pool I grew up uh, training at in Nailing Gale at Laguna Hills, and um, my my arm. I don't I don't know exactly what happens. It just really really hurt, and I was just swimming with fins, oh. and so I stop what I'm doing, and I I get out of the pool, and I try driving home, and I can't raise my arm. Oh my god! And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like something is really, really wrong with my shoulder. Yeah. And so I got an appointment, not even an appointment. I, we, we called one of our family friends who um, was the same surgeon that performed on my elbow in high school when I got the cartilage stuck in it. Right. And so right. called him up and asked for him to do, um, to just test out my shoulder and, um, it, it, it came back and it was, it was not good. I basically failed every test or I tested I had positive <laughs> symptoms and every, and everything. And so, yeah. um, I ended up going back up North and getting the quickest appointment possible for surgery I ended up having a slap tear, which is like a superior, uh, yep. superior labral tear of the like anterior to posterior. Yep. And <laughs> so, yeah. And so when some, when some doctors see that for swimmers, um, it's pretty concerning. Um, there's like not a hundred percent chance that you're going to be, you're going to hit where you were where, uh, prior to surgery in terms of times and you may, might not have the same ability. And I, I grew up with a couple of guys that had that same surgery and they'd never swam after that. Um, oh. or like they, like they tried to, and they just, couldn't get back to the even close to the level and so kind of going into the surgery um just not really knowing what was going to happen in terms of my swimming career um and also because i i qualified um for world championships at pan pax um in 2018 um i was supposed to swim in in south korea at the end of the summer and so i'm looking at this timeline and i'm like i'm getting the surgery january 3rd of 2019 Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be competing or I'm supposed to be reporting in Singapore in July. And it's a six month recovery. That's six months, six months until I can actually like train 
it's not like, Oh, you'll get back to where you were in six months. It's like you are at a deficit by the time six months comes around. And so you have to work your butt off. And so, um, I, yeah, I get the surgery. Um, I'm making good progress. And then there's like a bunch of things that happen in the background and, you know, my, my mental health kind of, um, goes down and, um, like end up getting pretty depressed and I start and I get a heart condition. And so all of these things just combined to just this massive like tornado of just, uh, I guess just bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One thing, one thing I do want to mention though, is I read an article and and this is so true about you, right? You talked about how your mental health started to dwindle and, and for obvious reasons, right? You had, you made the team in the summer, you had these big, big goals of, Make, you know, going to Singapore, performing and excelling there. But you said, right, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what's ever needed um, on the team during the rest of the season. How, like, how, like, how did you keep your mind in check? I, you did a lot. I saw you did a lot with Stanford and the athletics department around mental health. But how do you, like, it's all good when you say that, that but like in your head, what was that battle like? That was horrible. Yeah. It, yeah. No, it sucked. I mean, I didn't it's tough to be a student athlete dealing with like depression because, you know, like you want to be around your teammates. Um, but like deep down, you don't want to be there at all. Um, and so like for me, what I dealt with was just like a constant battle of, um, like, like my mind just fighting itself because like here I am trying to support my team because I love, I love the guys at the same time, at the same time, it's killing me to be on pool deck because this is like what I want to be doing. And, mm. and it wasn't just like the swimming component and it wasn't just like being a student athlete. Like there was a lot of other things that was going, that were going on in the background that, you know, I think it was almost like the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, I, it was just like, there was just one thing. And once that one thing fell, I just like, I didn't really know how to recover. And I didn't, I I'd never dealt with like mental health issues before and so I didn't really understand and know like the resources that I had which made it even more difficult and which is I mean here I am now and like I not only know the resources like I'm in a position to you help other athletes who are also struggling I kind of like what you mentioned is like I joined a committee uh, called Cardinal Red that uh, like assists with athletes that are going through mental health issues and or challenges and uh, also like the prevention of such and um, like also on the team like as a team captain like we've had very open like conversations about you know resources and like not being ashamed to like you know if you need to go to um, sports psychologist a psychologist and you know talk to them it's like like as a team captain, as a fifth year senior on the team, like, yes, I've gone and I've like, I have regular scheduled appointments with them and it's not something to be ashamed about. Right. And so what you were kind of talking about is kind of, you know, what, what I have done since my injury and since my time um, or like my, my struggles is, you know, I've tried to offer myself as a resource for those that are going through some tough times and, um, you know, allow for those con- conversations to be man- manifested in, in like a natural setting as if like, or like 
on like the team and like have that conversation be had and not feel like ostracized for you know going through something that is um that is troublesome for some troublesome for yeah (laughs) for some guys on the team (laughs) yeah it's great i I absolutely love that because i think a lot of times right we we've talked about it back at providence and they they have a very good initiative over there right the fact that because we're student athletes there's this front that we have to put on that we're you know we're all good and like, I'm going to compete and I'm always, you know, good, but there are days and there, there are sometimes more than just days. It's months. It could be years where that that's not the case and it, and it can get hard, but I, I applaud you for finding those resources and also being a resource to others when they're battling something similar like that. Yeah. Thanks, man. And I'm glad that, you know, Providence is doing the same thing. It sounds as if, you know, most universities are doing a fantastic job, at least in the, like, I know for instance, like in the PAC 12, um, there's a bunch of initiatives um, that have been um, brought to attention in terms of like offering resources and how, um, you know, schools are spending more money on school psychologists and um, among other things. Uh, But yeah, it it seems as if, you know, there's a realization that, you know, um, the mental side of things for athletes are also very important um, just as weight training is. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I want to switch gears here a little bit. So you've, you've come back, you've been training your, your butt off. Uh, you know, you, you have this little setback that doesn't seem to be too much as big of a setback as the last, the last uh, tear or the last shoulder injury, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with trials being postponed to 2021 and Tokyo kind of, you know, we'll say it's in the, in the, in the future. It's going to, you know, hopefully it's going to It's happen. in the works. It's yeah. in the works, yeah. How is training shifted was was it were you like not i don't want to say like relieved because i don't know what that thought process is like because i'm sure you were right in the heart of it right when it got canceled or postponed but like has it been like kind of like okay now we have a year to really you know double down on training yeah i think that with the whole covid situation it sounds like things won't go back to normal for a couple months at least Mm -hmm. um and so the way I see it and the way a lot of other people see it is, you know, they took this time to reset and, you know, if you weren't able to swim in the pool, then whether you like it or not, you just got a little vacation. Um, (laughs) So, you know, use that time to recover, repair and get ready to get back into it. Um, It's a tricky situation to be in regarding Olympic trials and Olympics for next year based on the fact that, you know, we, we are all pushing for it to happen, but there's still no one knows. Yeah, exactly. And so we are all refocusing for the postponed Olympic trials and Olympics, not knowing if it's actually going to be a thing. And so I like speaking for myself, um, you know, I've done everything possible to, you know, stay in shape, even despite surgery. Um, Mm -hmm. like I'm 30 pounds lighter than I was since last time this year. So I swear I see a picture of you every time and you look like you, you put on more muscle. You have new muscles that I've never seen before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it's just a lighting, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) good editing, Um, good editing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is, yeah, I know. I definitely have an app. And it's just, it's an extra <laughs> Add app six on, pack on, yeah. your, on your side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I think that 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm training to train right now. You know, I, yeah. I don't, I like, I'm training for NCs. Don't know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, I'm training for Olympic trials. Don't know if it's going to happen. So it's like for right now, you know, just get back in shape. Um, where like when you are confident, there's going to be a certain meet for Pac-12 NCs, Olympic trials, your grand pro series, some series meet, like whatever it is, you know, right. sit down, make a goal and, you know, do your best. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I like, I think that if trials are going to happen this year, it's not going to change the way I train, you know, I'm going to do everything I can regardless. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm, I can't speak for everyone, but that's how I'm going to approach it. Um, Definitely. Cause I mean, I don't really know. I mean, this might be my last season. I might have another season after this, or I might train to 2024. We don't know it. There's a lot up in the air. So I'm just going to do what I can with this season and go from there and control what you can control. That's all you can do. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to wrap up uh, the, this interview here with some lighthearted stuff. Um, okay. So, so you have quite the Twitter game. I don't know if you're going to agree <laughs> with me on this, but I think like you don't tweet a lot, but when you do tweet, I'm, I get excited because it's usually some, <laughs> something hilarious. So I'm going to go through my top three Grant Schultz tweets of all time. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, right. go for it. All right. So the first, the, number three has to be the swimmers can't hit baseballs. Clap back on that tweet okay, on okay. that guy. Okay, I think that's like your pinned tweet right now. But you just going absolutely yard on a couple pitches and then going swimmers can't hit baseballs <laughs> was so funny. And yeah, so the, the timing of that tweet was pretty funny. So was I, was actually, <laughs> I was actually at World Championships when I tweeted that. Mm -hmm. um, Erica Sullivan was the, was the one that originally clapped clap back at that guy. I think his name was right. Hayden something. But uh, it was just a very dumb tweet. Um, so bad. Very baseless. Um, kind of, you know, doing a big disservice to us swimmers over here. And um, I saw Erica's response, and this was—I think this was before hers was like really trending, at least in the swimming world. And so, yeah, I tweeted that response, and that video was four years after I had touched a baseball bat. Um, <laughs> like again, so I was at World Championships. So this video was from 2016. Right. It was right after Olympic trials. Um, and I, yeah, I grabbed the wood bat and I went down to a, a field in Elisa Viejo just with my dad, just wanted to see how far I get the ball. And I was hitting, I was still hitting it 300 and some beat. So, um, you now we're having a good time. Yeah. But that was, that was funny. I, I think that got, uh, I got a good amount of likes and retweets. So that, yeah, that was yeah, a good time. You got some clout there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but this all right, the number two has to be, and I don't know if this one got as much clout, but I respected it. Um, you know, Tua Tagovailoa had a had a quote. <laughs> he got his when he got his what was it, broken hip or something, um, saying, I don't play badminton, I'm not on the swim team. Football is a physical sport. Your reply was your ripped up shoulder from your MRI that just, you know, you had post op. You, you know, and, you know, you know, every sport is physical. And I just love that when people think just because the swimming is not a contact sport doesn't mean you can't get hurt like the way you have. <laughs> yeah. Was that and my that, response? Yeah. Like, you, I, yeah, like Sports Center tweeted it out. Or I don't even know if it was Sports Center, but you quote tweeted it, and you go, "Mr. Tugavaloa, my my shoulder here has, you know, would like to beg to differ about <laughs> swimming not being a physical sport." <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I mean, I've had enough injuries, and yeah, okay, 
like the only physical part about swimming is like open water swimming and you know people get pretty beat up but yeah it's not it's not like football but uh you can't deserve it you can't disservice us like that come on man yeah really <laughs> and then the number one tweet of all time from grant schultz has to be this i think this is your freshman year uh at stanford when you tweet a picture of a men's meet the crowd at a men's meet <laughs> versus a crowd at a women's meet at stanford and just the the crowd and the lack thereof at the men's meet was just was yep. just a riot because i mean okay so for those who don't know in the swimming world right during your freshman year you had Leah Neal, Ella Easton, Simone Manuel, Katie Ledecky, all of which are national team members. You know, most of those Olympic had gone gold on. medalists. Yeah, exactly. They three-peat NCAAs 2017, 2018, 2019. And so did you ever feel like um, it, it was your guys' job to catch up to those guys or gals? In terms of attendance or in terms <laughs> of times? <laughs> yes, because, both. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of hard to rack, rack up the swimming accolades. I guess we could have put up uh, a sign that said, like, free hot dogs inside. We probably would have gotten a lot of the uh, Palo Alto High School kids over here. But uh, in all fairness, like, that, uh, the picture that I posted was, like, right before the meet started, and it was against, like, University of Pacific. And um, the, the, the women were swimming against, I want to say, like, Cal or USC. So it was, like, one of their bigger rivals. Yeah. And, uh, like, for us, it was, like, before our – it wasn't even a conference meet. So – um yeah i i guess it was, i was kind of misleading but it was pretty funny it was very <laughs> funny. it was very funny what was it like training with those girls during that time during their like during those heydays were, were uh -huh. they were they kicking the crap out of you so i actually didn't have too many practices with those girls i've i the only one i've ever practiced with was on a consistent basis is ella and that was probably right. recently in mission viejo right <laughs> right um but i did train um like every so often with katie and i probably did i did a practice or two with her last year as well it doesn't happen very often it's just when greg Meehan or coach greg Meehan and our coach want to realign with some stuff um and kind of see where we're at if for uh for like what do you what do you call this like uh God, why am I blanking on this name? I don't know it's where like, you're going like a, test set, a test set. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah, set. yeah, yeah. And so I remember my freshman year, we did a 3K for time, and I got absolutely <sighs> smoked. So oh uh, by Katie. How many like, times you got laughed? I think twice. Oh, I'll give yeah. that to you. I'll give that to you. That's that's respectful. Yeah, hey, I mean, I was under 30 minutes for a 3K. That's so very impressive. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it, yeah. especially, like, <laughs> given my shoulders, but – um, I think that true got her. I think he was somewhere in the 28 minute mark, uh, okay. around there. So, okay. but well, I was neither not, of you can do, a, them. neither of you can do a 50 meter with a glass of chocolate milk on your head. Can you, you or true? I don't know. I, okay. In all fairness, I think that, uh, her hair, um, okay. allowed for quite the assist. Okay. But, but wouldn't yours then so too? Cool. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't I that do be have flow. To... I don't have that much flow. But, but yeah no 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 i think that hers had quite the assist but it, it's still pretty impressive <laughs> yeah yeah impressive. all right grant this has been an absolute blast i do have one more big boy question for you if you got the time so i asked this all right, for all my guests um all right grant so you're pretty young so i'm interested to hear your response here because you still have plenty of life to live but if you were to write your autobiography today 
what would be the title and why? Ooh. Man, this is tough. I'm not sure if I'm interesting enough to have a, an autobiography or if I have the patience to write a book. <laughs> um, I'd say you're interesting enough. You got quite the story. You were born with 11 fingers. That was my sister. I was born with 12. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I'm not sure. <laughs> that's a tough one okay what kind of responses were you getting from the other guys so it's funny um brady silverwood he's the guy who ran across america i don't know if you're, you're familiar with him but he's, uh -huh. he'll be on uh he asked me like what would be mine and i said probably normal guy lazy eye and that's why <laughs> i called it the podcast um a lot of people just like a couple of people have like just explained like where they would get their title from um one of the like one of my buddies from college he he has a great story and you'll definitely hear it on the podcast, but he like knew the answer right away. And I was like, Oh, you're definitely like already planning this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let, let, we can work on this together. Would it be related to swimming? Would it be related to your injuries? Would it be related to baseball? Man, I don't know. Maybe, um, Dude, I don't, this is a loaded question. This is like me analyzing my entire life and just saying, all right, you well, it's have only 20, words. 22, 23 years, right? You got, you got, you got some time left, but <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I should make like a, like a comedy book, like a, like an anti-book. Yeah. Like a, <laughs> like a, like a coloring book or what? No, 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 no. I'm talking about, uh, I don't know. I don't even know, man. I think I think that I don't have the brain cells, or I'm I'm too young. It's one Dude, of those you, two. You can't say that and be sitting at Stanford's <laughs> campus right now. Uh, how did I get here? That's the title of your book. Yeah. How about just where am I? I think that's a good book. Like, <laughs> where am I? Perfect. I love it. I love it. Awesome, Grant. Well, this has been an absolute blast. I've always loved catching up with you. I'm glad we got the chance to connect and hopefully it won't be too long before I get to see your ugly face. Yeah. Right back at you, dude. <laughs> All right, Grant. I'll talk to you soon, man. Talk to you soon, man. All see right, ya. Huge shout out to my buddy Grant Schultz for coming on this week's show, talking some swimming, talking some of his journey throughout his career and the battles that he's had. Um, plagued by injury and battling back to being the, the, the swimmer that he knows he, that he is. Um, I really wish this guy all the best um, as he's training for hopefully Tokyo 2021 and the rest of his career. I know he's got a long career still left to go. I finally stumped somebody on the uh, autobiography question. Um, but I know Grant, when the, when it's all said and done, you will definitely have a great story to tell. So again, big thanks to Grant. Links to all things Grant's social media uh, are in the description of this week's podcast. Be sure to check out that incredible race um, from the summer of 2018. I linked that as well. And uh, to, to stay up to date on his incredible Twitter game, be sure to follow that as well. That does it for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much to the listeners for continuing to show your support. Um, it's just incredible. 21 countries and just well over 3,000 streams now. I had no idea that... This would be um, the story of this podcast. It was just something I wanted to pick up during quarantine, and, and, it, and it's continued to be a lot of fun for me. So big thank you to you guys. If you want to 
see more stuff on normal guy lazy eye be sure to follow us on instagram at normal guy lazy eye and that does it for all my shameless plugs i will see you all next week